0: Okay, welcome back to These Are The Words. I'm Eric Grun and I'm going to continue with uh, Carl Gustav Jung's book the, called The Red Book, or Liber Novus. Liber Novus, or The Red Book, otherwise known as The Red Book. Let's see if I can uh, find some nice music to play. I Let's see. Uh, This is music for studying. Deep focus music 24-7. Background music for studying. Focus music for deep concentration. Let's see. Alright. That's nice. Okay. We left off. Liber Novus, page 218. Uh, the Confrontation with the World. Okay. The Confrontation with the World. Why did Jung stop working on Liber Novus? In his afterward, written in 1959, he wrote... My acquaintance with alchemy in 1930 took me away from it. The beginning of the end came in 1928 when Richard Willem sent me the text of The Golden Flower, an alchemical treatise. There, the contents of this book found their way into actuality and I could no longer continue working on it. There is one more completed painting in Liber Novus. In 1928, Jung painted a mandala of a golden castle, page 163. After painting it, it struck him that the mandala had something Chinese about it. Shortly afterward, Richard Willem sent him to the text of the secret of the golden flower, asking him to write a commentary on it. Jung was struck. Jung was struck by it and the timing. Jung was struck by it and the timing. Uh, I'm gonna look that up. The Secret of the Golden Flower. It sounds interesting. Maybe it's, it'll be the next book that I I review. Jung was struck by it, and the timing. That he quote. It's uh, there's a quote here. The text gave me an undreamed of confirmation of my ideas about the mandala and the circumambulation of the center. This was the first event which broke through my isolation. I became aware of an affinity. I could establish ties with someone and something. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the way that the atom is... Depicted that the atom is represented as a nucleus with electrons orbiting that nucleus. And so it's a, a pattern that is repeated in nature. Um, We, we circumambulate, even in many religious or spiritual traditions, we circumambulate the center of attention. So for Christians, the center of attention is Jesus, Jesus Christ. And the circumambulation is around his throne. Okay. I could establish ties with someone and something. The significance of this confirmation is indicated in the lines that he wrote beneath the painting of the Yellow Castle. Jung was struck by the correspondences between the imagery and conceptions of this text and his own paintings and fantasies. On may twenty fifth, nineteen twenty nine, he wrote to Willem Fate appears to have given us the role of two bridge pillars which carry <coughs> which carry the bridge between east and west. <coughs> Only later did he realize that the alchemical nature of the text was important. He worked on his his commentary during 1929. On September 10, 1929, he wrote to Willem, I am thrilled by this text, which stands so close to our unconscious. Jung's commentary on the secret of the golden flower was a turning point. It was his first public discussion of the significance of the mandala. For the first time, Jung anonymously presented three of his own paintings from Liber Novus as examples of European mandalas and commented on them. To Willem, he wrote on October 28th, 1929, concerning the mandalas in the volume, the images amplify one another precisely through their diversity. They give an excellent image of the effort of the unconscious European spirit to grasp Eastern eschatology. This connection between the European unconscious spirit and Eastern eschatology became one of the major themes in Jung's work in the 1930s, which he explored through further collaborations with the Indologists Willem Hauer and Heinrich Zimmer. At the same time, the form of the work was crucial Rather than revealing the full details of his own experiment or those of his patients, Jung used the parallels with the Chinese text as an indirect way of speaking about it, much as he had begun to do in Chapter 5 of Psychological Types. This allegorical method now became his preferred form. Rather than write directly of his experiences, he commented on analogous, or analogous, developments in esoteric practices, and most of all in medieval alchemy. Shortly afterward, Jung abruptly left w- left off working on Liber Novus. The last full-page image was left unfinished, and he stopped transcribing the text. He later recalled that when he reached his this he later recalled that when he reached this central point or Tao, his confrontation with the world commenced, and he began to give many lectures. Thus the confrontation with the unconscious drew to a close, and the confrontation with the world began. Jung added that he saw these activities as a form of compensation for the years of inner preoccupation. The Comparative Study of the Individuation Process Jung had been familiar with alchemical texts from around 1910. In 1912, Theodore Flournoy had presented a psychological interpretation of alchemy in his lectures at the University of Geneva, and in 1914, Herbert Silberer published an extensive work on the subject. Jung's approach to alchemy followed the work of Flournoy and Silberer in regarding alchemy from a psychological perspective. His understanding of it was based on two main main theses. First, that in meditating on the texts, and materials in their laboratories, the alchemists were actually practicing a form of active imagination, second, that the symbolism in the alchemical texts corresponded to that of the individuation process with which Jung and his patients had been engaged. In the 1930s, Jung's activity shifted from working on his fantasies in the black books to his alchemy copybooks. In these, he presented an an encyclopedic collection of of excerpts from alchemical literature and related works which he indexed according to key words and phrases, or key words and subjects, excuse me. These copy books formed the basis of his writings on the the psychology of alchemy. After 1930, Jung put Liber Novus to one side. While he had stopped working directly on it, it still remained at the center of his activity. In this therapeutic work, he continued to attempt to foster similar developments in his patients to, and to establish which aspects of his own experience were singular and which had some generality and applicability to others. In his symbolic researches, Jung was interested in parallels to the imagery and conceptions of Liber Novus. The question that he pursued was the following was something akin to the individuation process to be found in all cultures. Oh, The question that he pursued was the following, was something akin to the individuation process to be found in all cultures? If so, what were the common and differential (coughs) elements? In his perspective, Jung's work after 1930 could be considered as an extended amplification of the contents of Liber Novus, and an attempt to translate its contents into a form acceptable to the contemporary outlook. Some of the statements made in Liber Novus closely closely correspond to positions that Jung would later articulate in his published works and represent their first formulations. On the other hand, much did not directly find its way into the collected works or was presented in a schematic form or through allegory an indirect allusion. <coughs> Thus, Liber Novus... <coughs> <coughs> ...excuse me. Thus, Libra Novus enables a hitherto unsuspected clarification... ...of the most difficult aspects of Jung's collected works... One is simply not in a position to comprehend the genesis of Jung's late work nor to fully understand what he was attempting to achieve without studying Liber Novus. At the same time, the collected works can in part be considered an indirect commentary on Liber Novus each mutually expi- explicates the other each mutually explicates the other jung saw his confrontation with the unconscious as the source of his later work he recalled that all his work and everything that he subsequently achieved came from these imaginings He had expressed things as well as he was able in clumsy, handicapped language. He often felt as if gigantic blocks of stone were tumbling down upon him. One thunderstorm followed another. He was amazed it hadn't broken him as it had done others, such as Schreiber Schreiber such as Schreiber when asked by Kurt Wolf in 1957 on the relation between his scholarly works and his biographical notes of dreams and fantasies Jung replied that was the primal stuff that compelled me to work on it, and my work is a more or less successful attempt to incorporate this incandescent matter into the worldview of my time. The first imaginings and dreams were like fiery, molten uh, molten basalt from which the stone crystallized upon which I could work. He added that it has cost me 45 years, so to speak, to bring the things that I once experienced and wrote down into the vessel of my scientific work. In Jung's own terms, Liber novus could be considered to contain Among other things, an account of stages of his process of individuation. In subsequent works, he tried to point out the general schematic common elements to which he could find parallels in his patients and in comparative research. The later works thus presented... The later works thus present a skeletal uh, uh, the later works thus present a skeletal outline, a basic sketch, but left out the main body of detail. In retrospect, he described the red book as an attempt to formulate things in terms of revelation. He had hope that this would free him, but found. That it didn't. He then realized that he had to return to the human side and to science. He had to draw conclusions from the insights. The elaboration of the material in the Red Book was vital, but he also had to understand the ethical obligations. In doing so, he had paid with his life and. His science. In 1930, he commenced a series of seminars on the fantasy visions of Christiana Morgan at the Psychological Club in Zurich, which can in part be regarded as an indirect commentary on Liber Novus. To demonstrate the empirical validity of the conceptions that he derived in the latter, he had to show that processes depicted within it were not unique. With his seminars on Kundalini Yoga in 1932, Jung commenced a comparative study of esoteric practices, focusing on the spiritual exercises of Ignatius of Loyola. Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, Buddhist Meditational Practices, and Medieval Alchemy, which he presented in an extensive series of lectures at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. ETH. The critical insight that enabled these linkages The the critical insight that enabled these linkages and comparisons was Jung's realization that these practices were all based on different forms of active imagination and that they all had as their goal the transformation of the personality which Jung understood as the process of individuation. Thus Jung's ETH lectures provide a comparative history of active imagination, the practice that formed the basis of Liber Novus. In 1934, he published his first extended case description of the individuation process, which was that of Christine Mann, who had painted an extensive series of mandalas. He referred to his own undertaking. I have naturally used this method on myself too and can affirm that one can paint very complicated pictures without having the least idea of their real meaning. While painting them, the picture seems to develop out of itself and often in opposition to one's conscious intentions. He noted that the present work filled a gap in his description of his therapeutic methods as he had written little about active imagination he had used this method since 1916 but only sketched in it the rela- but only sketched in it but only sketched it in the relations of the i to the unconscious in 1928 and first mentioned the mandala in 1929 in his commentary on the secret of the golden flower. For at least 13 years I kept quiet about the results of these methods in order to avoid any suggestion. I wanted to assure myself that these things, mandalas especially, really are produced spontaneously and were not suggested to the patient by my own fantasy. Through his historical studies, he convinced himself that mandalas had been produced in all times and places. He also noted that they were produced by patients of psychotherapists who were not his students. This also indicates one consideration that may have led him to publish Liber Novus, to convince himself and his critics that the developments of his patients, and especially their mandala images, were not simply due to suggestion. He held that the mandala represented one of the best examples of the universality of an archetype. In 1936 he also noted that he himself had used the method of active imagination over a long period of time, and observed many symbols that he had been able to verify only years later in texts that had been unknown to him. However, from an an evidential standpoint, given the breadth of his learning, Jung's own material would not have been a particularly convincing example of his thesis that images from the collective unconscious spontaneously emerged without prior acquaintance. In Liber Novus, Jung articulated his his understanding of the historical transformations of Christianity and the historicity of symbolic formations. He took up this theme in his writings on the psychology of alchemy and on the psychology of Christian dogmas and most of all, in Answer to Job. Which is the name of of a book that he wrote, Answer to Job. As we have seen, it was Jung's view that his pre-war visions were prophetic were prophetic, that led to the composition of *Liber Novos. in 1952. Through his collaboration with the Nobel, P- the Nobel Prize-winning physicist Wolfgang Pauli, Wolfgang Pauli, Jung argued that there existed a principle of a causal orderedness that underlay such meaningful coincidences which he called synchronicity. He claimed that under certain circumstances the constellation of an archetype led to a relativization of time and space which explained how such events could happen. This was an attempt to expand scientific understanding to accommodate events such as his visions of 1913 and 1914. It is important to note that the relation of Novus to Jung's scholarly writings did not follow a straight point-by-point translation and elaboration. As early as 1916, Jung sought to convey some of the results of his experiments in a scholarly language, while continuing with the elaboration of his fantasies one would do best to regard liber novus and the black books as representing a private opus that ran parallel to and alongside his public scholarly his public scholarly opus one would do best to regard liber novus and the black books as representing a private opus that ran parallel to, to and alongside his public scholarly uh, excuse me one would do best to regard liber novus and the black books as representing a private opus that ran parallel to and alongside his public scholarly opus whilst the latter was nourished by and drew from the former, they remained distinct. After ceasing to work on Liber Novus, he continued to elaborate his private, his private opus. After ceasing to work on Liber Novus, he continued to elaborate his private opus, his own mythology, in his work on the tower, and in his stone carvings and paintings. Here, Liber Novus functioned as a generating center, and a number of his paintings and carvings relate to it <coughs> in psychotherapy jung sought to enable his patients to recover a sense of meaning in life through to recover a sense of meaning in life through facilitating and supervising their own self-experimentation and symbol creation at the same time he attempted to elaborate a general scientific psychology okay now for the good stuff this is was the end of the of the forward or the preface and i'm going to now Begin to read Liber Primus or Liber Primus. Okay, the first, the opening section of Liber Primus, which is the uh, the beginning part of Liber Novus, the way of what is to come, and it's it says, uh, "Isaias dixit, Quis creditit, creditit, ad Nostro et brachium Domini, qui revelatum est. Revelatum est? It's, uh, it, it's uh, <clears throat> a paragraph in Latin. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just, if you learn Latin, you can read it for yourself. Et ascendant ascended sicut virgul virgultum coram eo et sicut radix de terra sitie, en, sitienti non est species species a e neque a e ne, neque decor et vidimus. Eum et non erat aspectus et desideravimus eum. Despectum despectum et novissimum virorum vi, virorum virum dolor, dolorum et scientem infirmitatem. Et quasi, et quasi, or et quasi absconditus. Vultus eius et despectus, unde, unde nec reputa vimus eum. Vere langores, nostros ipse tulit et dolores. Nostros ipse portavit et nos putavimus eum quasi leprosum et porcosum a deo et humilia, humiliatum humiliatum deo et humiliatum uh, parvalus enu enim parvalus enim natus est nobis. Filius datus est nobis et factus est principatus super super humerum eius et vocabitor vocabitor nomen eius uh, uh, admirabilis conciliaris conciliarios Deus Fortis Pater Futuri, futuri seculi Princeps Passis. <clears throat> and so, I'm going to read the English translation. Isaiah said, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, And rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 4. Okay. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Ioannis Dixit et verbum caro factum est et habitat ha, habitat habit in nobis et vidimi, vidimus gloriam eus gloriam quasi or quasi unigeniti patre plenum gratiae et Translation, John said, and the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, chapter 1, verse 14. So for some reason Jung put in his book the, the Latin translations and uh, the English translation of the Latin. So I'm not going to read the Latin. Uh, it's enough for Latin, uh, Latin reading for now because I'm not even sure if I'm saying it correctly. Isaiah said the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly, and rejoice even with joy and, st- and singing. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a as a hart and the tongue of the dumb sing For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes and a a highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness the unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for those The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1 through 8. okay okay Manu propria scriptum CG Jung, anno domini um, I think that's uh Roman numerals, so I don't know it's nineteen fifteen maybe, I don't know. In Domu Sua Kusnacht, Torisens, Turicense. Oh yeah, nineteen fifteen. Written by CG Jung with his own hand in his house in Kus in in Kusnacht. Kusnacht Zürich in the uh, year 1950, 1915, in the year 1915, Kussnacht Turicens is the Latin way of saying Kusnacht Zürich. Okay so <clears throat> he he opens up the he opens up quoting the Bible the Old Testament specifically the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah and also the New Testament uh the New Testament writer of the of uh, one of the Gospels John the Gospel of John <clears throat> But, um, now he starts to write in his own words. So, he opens up with biblical quotes, and, uh, it's about, it's about, uh, almost an hour so far, and I'm only allowed an hour at a time, um, per episode. So, um, I will, in the next episode, start with, uh, his own words in, pro in, uh, Liber Primus and we'll get into like the meat of it and the meat of of his actual writings and you know C.G. Jung's actual writings so until next time thank you for listening God bless you and good night